Hello and welcome to Wisdom, a dynamic podcast series unlike any other. Join me on this enlightening journey as we delve into captivating conversations with industry pioneers, colleagues, friends and extraordinary individuals from diverse backgrounds. Together we will explore the depths of wisdom encompassing both the realms of business and life beyond its confines. Wisdom is not your average podcast. It goes beyond the ordinary and emphasizes the transformative power of life experiences. In each episode, we will embark on freewheeling discussions, unearthing the valuable insights that every sphere of life has to offer. To never miss an episode, subscribe to Wisdom today and be a part of our growing community of wisdom seekers. Let's unlock the profound secrets of life together. Welcome to Wisdom. Welcome dear listeners to another episode of Wisdom where we unravel the wisdom and stories behind the success of remarkable individuals in the world of business and beyond. I'm Deepak Narayanan, your co-founder and host, and today we have a truly exceptional guest with us. He is a visionary entrepreneur, a business leader who has disrupted the consulting landscape, transformed countless organizations and continues to inspire us all. Ladies and gentlemen, I present to you Uguru, my guru and mentor in the world of business, Venkat, the driving force behind Practice, a company that's redefining the consulting industry. With Practice, Venkat has pioneered the concept of delivering measurable ROI for consulting fees paid, making it synonymous with solving business problems through technology. With over 25 years of experience and more qualifications than, the, than an average Indian has, including being a chartered accountant, cost and management accountant, a risk manager, he has left an indelible mark on the world of finance and consulting. But there is more to Venkat than just his professional journey. When he is not transforming businesses, he is an avid traveller, a connoisseur of Indian philosophy and a lover of filter coffee. And of course, he finds solace in quizzing, chess, Agatha Christie mysteries and the art of gardening. Probably the only person who can use a chessboard to solve financial problems. Today, we are not just going to dive deep into his professional life, but also unravel the personal side of this personality. So grab a cup of coffee, preferably filter coffee, sit back and get ready for an hour of wisdom and insights as we explore the life and work of the man behind practice. Venkat, welcome to Wisdom. It's a pleasure to have you here. And before we start, do you have any financial tips for our listeners? Maybe how to turn their coffee budget into a retirement plan? Thank you for those uh, uh, for that very warm welcome and uh, very gracious uh, uh, introductions, uh, Deepak. Uh, it's a it's a privilege and honor to be hosted by you, and uh, kudos to you and the practice team uh, for having put together the wisdom series. Okay, fantastic. So, Venkat, tell us about your journey from a consulting professional to becoming the CFO of a Fortune two fifty company and eventually founding practice. Uh, did you ever consider consulting for a, a struggling chess club as a side gig? I mean, joking, jokingly. Yeah, no, I was always fascinated by the business side of things, uh, Deepak. Um, uh, so my first uh, uh, job and possibly the biggest contributor to my career is uh, my stint with LeBlanc and Lewis, which is part of PricewaterhouseCoopers. Uh, I started life in the audit and uh, business assurance services in Mumbai. 
uh, but the firm gave me tremendous opportunities to explore the business uh, side uh, of things. These were the good old days uh, when uh, auditors had an opportunity to, to visit factories, go into branches, uh, see depot operations for themselves and long before micro specialization in the big four became uh, the, 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 the standard. Uh, a lot of opportunity to to meet up with different uh, types of people at clients, uh, not just finance staff, but also folks on the shop floor, uh, production, purchases, planning and sales. And then uh, very intrigued uh, with how uh, business enterprises make money. I realized very early on in life that um, accounting is the art and science of measuring the numbers. But um, the true secret is, uh, the secret sauce is really in how businesses create wealth uh, for their shareholders. And I've always found that side, that aspect of business life to be extremely uh, interesting. Um, so while uh, I think audit is seen by several people as being a somewhat uh, conventional and perhaps even a boring profession, I found it to be one of the most exciting places to be. Uh, because you had access to pretty much any part of the business that you wanted to. Um, so I had a great time with PwC for uh, close to eight years, uh, post which I wanted to explore the industry. And I joined as Chief Financial Officer for um, Aon, which is a Fortune 250 company and the world's largest reinsurance broker. They were looking to set up their operations in India. I worked with them uh, in their representative office and then went on to put together a joint venture for Aon with a local partner and ran that as the CFO, the chief financial officer for the joint venture for about five, five and a half years. Uh, here again, I would say that finance and accounts was probably about 20% of uh, my, uh, my, my daily work. The balance 80% was really in helping the CEO to, to chart out a course for the business, uh, very active partnership with the board uh, and most importantly, management of relationships between two joint venture partners. Uh, one, a very large global multinational and the other, a very dynamic and very passionate business, uh, local business entrepreneur. Um, so once again, I think uh, the business side of things, I, had, I was very privileged to kind of have an opportunity to, to work on more on the business side than the finance and accounting side. I then had a very short stint with uh, a privately held real estate firm with the name of Heinz. Assisted them to kind of uh, start off the business operations in India before, of course, uh, incubating what was then called as Wealthtree, uh, which was uh, my entrepreneurial venture, or I should say our entrepreneurial venture, Deepak. Uh, it was called as Wealthtree and then it quickly morphed to becoming my CFO and eventually uh, what we now know as uh, practice. I, I think the consulting side of uh, of business has always appealed a lot to me. I think by nature, I'm, I'm somebody that uh, likes to synthesize solutions to business problems or even personal problems for that matter. I strongly believe that uh, a consulting mindset comes from being equally good at uh, multiple disciplines of life, the ability to connect the dots, and to provide a nuanced and implementable solution to people who seek out that advice from you. So how to bring life lessons and wisdom 
and how to take best practices and learnings from one sphere of life and bring it to bear to define a solution uh, to a problem that somebody gets to you, I think is probably one of the most exciting vocations that anyone can have. Fantastic. Couldn't have put it better. I mean, I love the fact, I love the last bit, Venkat, which is uh, about what's important to have a consulting mind mindset, connecting the dots, providing a nuanced and balanced solution and cross-pollinating ideas, right? Brilliant. Are there individuals who have inspired you? How have they influenced your thinking, your personality and the person that you are today? Uh, can you share your top three takeaways? Are any of them related to the secret formula for filter coffee? You know where I'm getting, I'm going to get out the, the, the filter coffee at some point in time. So pardon my usage of the analogy. Sure. Um, so I think uh, probably three specific uh, people. Um, I, I've been uh, incredibly fortunate to be uh, surrounded by people who who have always been a lot more evolved than me, uh, which has given me the opportunity of uh, of learning from them at very close quarters and through practical life experiences. I think um, that it was uh, Eisenhower who said that um, when you are fortunate enough to sit on the shoulder of giants, uh, you have a world perspective that nobody else can have. And I think I was very fortunate to sit on the shoulder of giants, whether in my personal life or professional life. Uh, so while there are multiple gurus uh, or teachers, uh, probably the three people that I'd like to single out are uh, Swami Chinmayananji, who was a founder of Chinmay Mission. And uh, I'm going to borrow a, a filter coffee uh, uh, analogy that he always likes to give. Uh, what I learned uh, from that analogy is the importance of implementation. So what Swamiji says is, if you want to make your, your filter coffee sweet, uh, adding sugar beyond a point will not solve the problem unless you stir uh, the sugar uh, in the coffee cup. The implication being that you can learn as much as you want, but if you cannot really bring it to practice at a very practical level in your personal lives, uh, the coffee or your life will not really become sweet. Uh, so that was, I think, uh, a lesson that's kind of stayed with me uh, from very early on in my life. The second person that uh, left a very uh, strong mark on me and continues to leave a very strong mark on me is my ex-boss, Sharmila Karve. Uh, she was a manager at PwC when I first joined the firm. She went on to become partner uh, at the India firm and then went on to become the global diversity partner at PwC. The ability to kind of manage multiple facets, the ability to build relationships of trust with clients, the ability to, to work hard and also work smart and the ability to find practical solutions to complex problems uh, are probably the things that I, that I learned uh, from her. I also had the opportunity of experiencing her people philosophy uh, firsthand. Uh, Sharmila always believed that um, work has to be delegated based on a person's inclination and willingness to learn and not necessarily based on an individual's position uh, in the organizational hierarchy. And I think it's a lesson that's kind of uh, stuck with me uh, for the longest time uh, in all my subsequent career changes. The uh, third person from whom I learned a lot is uh, Prabodh Bhai Tucker, who, uh, who is the founder of Global Insurance 
he was our joint venture partner when I ran the uh, Aon Global Insurance Brokers joint venture. What I really learned from him is the power of the entrepreneur, uh, the immense power that a person who is totally motivated and passionate about life goals and about doing business, it doesn't matter if you're joint venture partner is a multinational company, it's a Fortune 250 company. As a solo entrepreneur uh, who has had very little formal education, you can still hold on your own purely because of your ability to deliver results day in and day out. Because of your intimate knowledge of the market, because of the strength of your client relationships and because of your reading of how business is done in India. It taught me a very important lesson that it doesn't matter what the size of the balance sheet is. It is the size of the fuel of passion in your tank that ultimately determines uh, which way the balance of power moves in any kind of a partnership or relationship. Yeah, so I would say if I had to pick uh, uh, three three people, those would be the three people, Deepak. Brilliant. I think you not only covered three people, but you also brought out how they influence your your thinking, your personality, and also what you are today. Uh, dwelling uh, a little bit on this, uh, what aspects of the learnings that you just mentioned uh, do you implement every day, even today? I mean, any one or any any of these, do you, do you ever think of this every day? Yeah, I think uh, beyond a point, uh, Deepak, I feel that these become a part of you. So it becomes second nature. So um, uh, I feel pretty confident that uh, uh, like many other habits of ours in life, either good or bad, uh, they they pretty much become you. These habits become you. These thought processes become you. These perspectives become you. They become inseparable from who you are. So I would say the ability to trust people to to go out and do their best. Uh, not being scared of delegating authority, allowing people a free run, notwithstanding negative experiences, believing that the next time will always be uh, a better time, trusting in people's capabilities and their ingenuity to solve a particular problem, I think is a lesson that uh, that has kind of stuck with me and I continue to uh, implement in, in daily life. I think we, we need to give a lot of freedom uh, to our people, a lot of independence to the people, you've got to empower them, they will make mistakes. It doesn't matter who it is, it could be the junior most person in the company or the CEO. People make mistakes, right? But it's important to kind of be patient with them because those mistakes are not born out of a lack of intent. Uh, it can be born because people are facing a certain situation for the first time. But if you continue to kind of back them up and you continue to let them know, no matter what, the outcome is you trust their process and you trust them. I think it delivers uh, magic in terms of results over a longer period of time. So indeed, on, on that note, Venkat, you did create magic. Uh, your role in transforming consulting into active implementation of solutions. Consulting was uh, was very consulting. In I don't have another word, but uh, it always used to be very uh, heavy on advice. Um, how, how did this disruptive approach lead to more effective delivery of business impact, transformation, and performance improvement for for your clients. Um, did you ever consider challenging them to a game of chess to solve their problems? 
Yeah, so I think uh, uh, the thought about creating an uh, implementation focused company was probably born, born out of my experiences at Aon. Of course, till then I had an opportunity of kind of working in a consulting firm, a very large consulting firm for eight years. And as a CFO, I had uh, different types of firms, law firms, secretarial firms, chartered accountancy firms uh, that were advising me. But the one gap that I always felt, Deepak, is that uh, while they can give you knowledge, they can give you perspective, they don't necessarily deliver outcomes for you. Uh, right? That job is still kind of left uh, to the board, it's left to the investors, it is left to the CEO, it's left to the CFO to deliver. So the idea while starting Welltree was that uh, we would always stand um, for delivering tangible, measurable outcomes. And I think it's a theme that uh, that we haven't kind of wavered uh, from for the last 15, 16 years. Needless to say, the credit for this uh, does not go to me alone. It, it goes to, uh, to you, my uh, co-founder and partner. It goes to, and now CEO, and uh, it also goes to the rest of the leadership at practice and every single team member at practice who brings that DNA to work uh, to say that, look, how do we make a tangible uh, impact or a difference to the lives of our clients by actually delivering something and not just by talking about the solution. I think uh, uh, to your point about uh, whether we challenge clients um, at practice, I think it's very much a two-way street. Uh, I think the best clients and the most memorable clients are the ones who have challenged us back. So we as consultants have got a natural role in challenging the client, in provoking them into, uh, into lines of thought uh, that they haven't explored before, um, presenting new ideas, new perspectives and getting their reactions, exposing them to, uh, to newer ways of thinking. But it's equally true that consultants gain a lot, uh, if not equal, probably even more than what clients gain from consultants. So in every single situation, and especially the more demanding clients, and I think particularly in India, uh, the family managed businesses, some of the smarter ones can be extremely demanding taskmasters. Uh, but I love those conversations with them because they, they just like how you push them, they also kind of push you to explore your own boundaries and uh, to, uh, to go beyond uh, just doing the job uh, to finding that aha moment which satisfies both the client as well as the consultant. Oh, I think uh, just continuing the conversation, we'd love to hear real-world examples, uh, especially your involvement in creating a business impact on clients. Can you discuss how these transformations were achieved, including the strategies, challenges, outcomes, and which left a mark on the client's business? Did any of these success stories involve an unexpected twist, uh, much like and Agatha Christie novel. Yes. Um, so I think Deepak, uh, in our journey of having uh, worked with over 1,000 uh, odd clients, uh, you know, obviously we have uh, tons of uh, uh, war stories and uh, several of them where uh, we both have uh, had a chance to uh, work together as well. I, uh, you know, I think our first client, uh, the specialty chemicals company uh, in India that eventually kind of more from being a family managed business to a professionally run one from a privately held company to to being a listed company uh, from being a purely domestic uh, organization to becoming a global organization has been a particularly satisfying one i, I think um, 
the single biggest factor i think which led to our delivering value uh, at uh, the specialty chemical major uh, was empathy i wouldn't really put uh, financial consulting skills or business transformation skills as the number one quality uh, that helped us to deliver the impact an empathetic attitude to be able to understand where the promoters in the company were coming from where the employees in the company were coming from and how do we play our role in a context where there is a 90 year old legacy uh, but equally is an organization that is impatient for growth wants to modernize wants to professionalize uh, without the empathy that we demonstrated i think it would have been impossible to deliver those business uh, results to me in the world of consulting the fact uh, that you have to be competent uh, you have to be well read you need to research your client uh, you need to know the technical stuff you need to be able to articulate your point of view i think all these are given i think some of the human aspects uh, like empathy are possibly underrated uh, but i think it's time that consultants kind of give it uh, its its true uh, place among the pantheon of qualities that is really required to be successful so well said venkat i distinctly remember this case and i don't think i'm going to forget this till uh, i'll i'll be taking this to my grave clearly but well said again on the the point relating to empathy and you making those human uh, human connections it, it's certainly underrated i think uh, people place a lot of emphasis on technical skills or your competence uh, but very little uh, importance S- still continues to be given to the human side yeah so thanks for bringing that out uh, in this conversation going back a little bit when that you have been a witness to india's growth post 1991 economic reforms and particularly after the 2008 global meltdown how have these reforms shaped uh, or accelerated growth and prosperity and what have you learned from these changes did any of these lessons come from your chess moves yeah no i think um, uh, you know the uh, i i feel truly blessed and fortunate uh, deepak to have been uh, born at the time that i was born i uh, as a as a as a young boy i've got distinct uh, memories of uh, waiting for uh, several weeks to get hold of a gas cylinder at home or us having to uh, put in an application and wait for a few months to get a telephone line those were the days when you had to place a trunk call which i think probably 90% of the world won't even understand what that even means i mean just making a call to a different city uh, needed you to kind of go through an operator sitting somewhere and you had to wait for some time i think those were the days of uh, license raj where these were classic uh, local businesses that enjoyed a lot of government patronage and protection and to kind of see uh, the 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 wave of liberalization that was unleashed in 1991 it almost liberated indian enterprise from the shackles of government control probably the first sector uh, that got modernized was the telecom uh, sector with mobile telephony kind of coming in today the government uh, plays a role of an enabler it's no longer the maibap or the sarkar uh, of say 30 years back i think the kind of growth that this country has seen uh, it's a very unfortunate term that is used it's called the hindu rate of growth i don't know why it's called the hindu rate of growth but it's kind of used to denote a 1.5% type growth rate uh, which was probably normal for the first uh, 30 40 years after our independence 
But the kind of growth that we are now seeing, where uh, proudly we say that we are the fastest growing large economy in the world, uh, we are going to be a $5 trillion economy, I think it's been a massive metamorphosis. But it's also a telling commentary of uh, what people, common people uh, can achieve uh, if they are liberated to doing uh, what they are best equipped to do, which is to kind of fight for prosperity for themselves and for their communities and families and societies. I think uh, purely from a personal uh, standpoint and also for our own business, right, this growth couldn't have kind of come at a better uh, phase, right? There is a saying which says that uh, uh, a rising tide lifts all boats, right? And I think we have been incredibly fortunate at practice to kind of start our entrepreneurial journey at a time uh, we started off a journey in 2006, probably at a time when what they call as the animal spirits of India were unleashed. And I think we have been a prime beneficiary of that, right? We have, we have ridden the momentum along with the rest of Indian enterprise and Indian business and Indian stock markets. We have ridden the momentum fueled by the FII investments into India, the FDI boom uh, into India. We have, we have ridden the boom of the entire formalization of the economy through the GST modernization process. So I think we have, we have, we have seen a number of structural changes uh, over the last 20 years and uh, while a lot has changed I still believe that India has has got an enormous potential and a great future I think if we, we if we play our cards right there is no reason why uh, we cannot be the second largest economy in the world or third largest economy in the world in the next 10 years time and not just in terms of uh, purchasing power parity but I think we owe it to this country to make sure that everybody's per capita also kind of goes up. Uh, so very exciting times, I think, for the next 20, 30 years. Uh, as I said, I think we're incredibly fortunate uh, to be here at this point in time, having built an expertise for the last 15, 20 years uh, in the consulting space. Uh, so while I'm absolutely thrilled with uh, how the economy has grown and how we have grown in the past, I'm even more excited about what the next 20 years holds for us as a country and as a, and as a company. So what were the learnings, Venkat? I mean, well articulated. And just for our listeners, I think uh, Venkat did mention about Manmohan Singh and Chidambaram in the same in the same vein. Both were finance ministers in different regimes. One was in 1991, and one was in 1997 when uh, Chidambaram uh, kind of unleashed the the dream budget. Uh, so, so Venkat, going back to the question, what what were your learnings from these changes? I think um, to me the key learning uh, as a country is that elephants can dance. You know, people think that it's a large economy, it's a billion people. You know, can it really move fast? Okay, but the fact that we continue to grow at between six to eight uh, percent uh, year on year, I think, uh, is a testimony to the fact that uh, large behemoths can be can be made to move quickly as well, right? And the momentum, as we know from our physics. Uh, uh, lessons is both a combination of speed as well as the mass, right? So when an economy like India kind of gains momentum, I think it's it's exciting, I think, for the whole world to watch. I think uh, as a country, the biggest lesson for me is self-confidence. I mean, if you uh, look at uh, kids of my era who grew up uh, watching uh, test matches or one-day cricket where used to be regularly slaughtered, uh, the winning of World Cup was, uh, was a, a turning point, right, in our history. Uh, not of cricket, but also in our history of self-belief as a nation, right? So I think it's very important as a country to believe ourselves. You know, not everything from overseas or the West is necessarily the best. Of course, they've got some very, very good things that we can learn from. 
but there is no reason for us to uh, to kind of criticize ourselves unnecessarily or be too hard on ourselves if we focus on our strengths and if we play our cards right there is no reason why we as a country cannot um, be a truly great nation and i i, I believe that we have been a great uh, nation in the past there is no reason for us not to kind of replicate uh, that future and become that sone ke chidiya again i think uh, at a at a very personal level i feel that it's very important to be patient because uh, stock markets countries economies have got their ups and downs i mean india's own liberalization journey has not been without its own pitfalls right uh, because it leads to crony capitalism uh, it leads to excessive concentration of wealth in the hands of few it leads to corruption at different levels but i think these are growing pangs i i don't think it's possible uh, for a nation to kind of evolve without necessarily kind of going through some of these evils so as an individual and as a business i think uh, it has taught me to be patient uh, that these phases will come phases will go but if your long term trajectory is right if your direction is right then pace is less important i think we will eventually get there as a company as a country i'm pretty sure that whatever goals we set for ourselves as long as i'm being honest we are working hard we are focused on solving problems uh, we are centric to our our customers interests uh, if we are patient i think uh, nature and time will will reward us eventually again well articulated venkat i mean you brought about you brought this point about the hindu rate of growth and uh, while when i was growing up i never understood this term right but uh, but these days if you ask me what is my definition of hindu rate of growth then probably that's a positive way to look at things is um, any growth especially a spiritual growth uh, leads to enlightenment and enlightenment takes time but for instance yoga to master the art of yoga it takes time it is slow but but once you get there i think uh, you are more enlightened you are more evolved right which is probably why the west use the word hindu rate of growth Uh, i'm thinking also if you if you look at the the uh, the story of the hare and the tortoise the tortoise was slow but it was steady okay which is which is what was reflected in india's growth as well it was slow but it was steady i mean there were a lot of countries which 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 grew extremely fast but they couldn't sustain the pace and in the end i think we seem to be winning the race uh, today i think the momentum is really behind us okay so that's probably my uh, two bits to to what you had to say mm-hmm. what is your philosophy of mentoring and team development uh, how did you build a unique culture uh, at practice and a certain dna and uh, how critical is learning and growth for individuals within uh, within practice so if you can help us understand how you think of think of people team development and building culture i i see people as uh, co passengers in a train journey um you know there are some people who kind of get into the train compartment uh, when you uh, at the at the starting uh, station uh, there are some who get off there are new people who get in uh, you know at some point i may get off the train the important thing is that uh, the train is not the passenger the train is not the engine driver uh, right so the train has got a certain journey of its own it's got a life of its own and it's very important for that journey to continue uh question is what kind of train are you trying to build i, I think um, that there is masses of uh, management uh, theory out there uh, but i have personally preferred the more commonsensical approach uh, which is to hire right we got to hire people for attitude skills people learn over a period of time uh, we have learned to empower people we have learned to 
teach people on the job. We have learned to lead by demonstration. I think these are some fundamental principles uh, that have not really uh, changed maybe in the last uh, 6,000 years. So I think if people are exposed to the right opportunities and uh, you continue to set the right example, then I think they learn on their own. There is no need for uh, external interventions. I'm also a firm believer that, uh, you know, the uh, in, in Indian philosophy, the the concept or the definition of a sishya or a student uh, is that he has got to be an adhikari. Adhikari means that you need to have the the qualities that earn you the right to acquire knowledge, right? So if you have hired right, uh, if you had the right people in your company with the right attitude, uh, then they will learn. Uh, right? That's to me a very important criteria in 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 selecting your team. Even if they make mistakes, uh, they are smart enough to understand. You don't need to tell them that they've made a mistake. They're smart enough to understand they've made a mistake. They will not make the same mistake a second time. Uh, yeah, so I think uh, some of those uh, uh, personal philosophies, I think uh, I've been incredibly fortunate uh, that the organization has embraced it uh, at, at, at its own. And it's obviously got amplified, uh, right? Because the whole uh, process has now got institutionalized. It's got the right leadership today. It's got the right uh, chief people officer. It's got the right kind of training programs. But it's all, you know, all this is at the tip of the pyramid. I think what's at the base of the pyramid is the right value systems. I think if a company is founded on culture, uh, will will take care of itself over a period of time. Yeah, as Peter Drucker said, right, culture will eat anything for breakfast. He said something else, but I'm saying, uh, given our own experience, it'll, it'll eat everything for breakfast. So, moving on, family plays a significant role in your life. Can you tell us about the people uh, within your family who have influenced you and some lessons that you've learned from them? Uh, for those of us who do not know Venkat that well, Venkat always adds an S before his name, Venkat. Uh, he writes his, uh, writes it as one single word. Okay, I, I presume it is to have his father's name, Srinivasan, next to him without separating it. While most of us or almost all of us have a space between our names and the surname, the family name or the father's name. Uh, so Venkat, you, you should also touch upon this sentiment. So I'm a firm believer that, uh, that I'm nothing without my family. Um, uh, that's what gives me a sense of identity. Uh, just like I'm, I'm nothing without my organization, right? So that was my greatest learning when, when I left the organized industry to set up uh, what was then called Beltree, is how much I owed uh, to PwC, to Aon, and to Heinz. I mean, these names are what uh, gave me a lot of value in the market, right? When you're on your own, uh, you realize how, how little you are and you've got to start rebuilding that all over again. So I think it's the same thing with the family. I think you take the family out of our lives, uh, we are really very, very small. I think, uh, again, multiple, just like uh, some of the professional and uh, personal gurus that I mentioned, I think in the family as well, I've been very fortunate to be shaped by a variety of people. Uh, but again, if I have to pick uh, a few, I'd uh, probably pick uh, my maternal grandfather. Uh, he lived uh, to the ripe old age of 94. Uh, seen through a lot of ups and downs in life. He taught me a lot of very good things, but one of the fun things that I learned from him is how to play cards well, and particularly a game called 56. And one of the lessons that he taught me very early, and I don't think we ever sat down and, and discussed this uh, explicitly, but 
the one thing which I learned from him is that it is never about the cards that are dealt to you in the game. It is about how you use those cards and how you collaborate with your partners because 56 is a team game. You have at least one other partner. So you need a minimum of four people to play this game. So how do you leverage the strengths of your partner to be able to control the game? And to me, it's an analogy to life. I think uh, we always, uh, we have very little control over these circumstances that uh, uh, that are dealt to us. But while we can't control that, what we can control is our reaction and our response to that stimulus. So if we learn how to play with what we have in hand, I think we can still do a very good job rather than worrying about the quality of the cards that have been dealt, dealt to us. So to me, that's uh, my biggest takeaway from, uh, from his life. I think from my parents, I learned the the importance of resilience in life. I think uh, they had an incredibly tough time around the time that I was a young boy. Dad lost his job. Uh, I, I, we were not economically uh, very, very well off, uh, extremely middle class, if I can uh, put it that way. Uh, we couldn't afford a lot of luxuries in life, right? But they never stopped believing. Right? They never stopped praying. They always believed that, look, the future will be good. Uh, they always believed that our Guru or God will take care of us. They always believed in the importance of hard work. They believed that nature will give you what you deserve. I think, uh, you know, it's very easy to uh, to be nice and good when, when you have everything in life. Uh, but to be able to demonstrate and live those values uh, when you don't have much in life, I think it takes a lot of inner strength. Right? And they, they continue to be incredibly strong people even today, right? So I think uh, they are the other people who have shaped my life uh, quite a bit. I have also, I think, uh, shaped, shaped a lot by you, Deepak. I'd probably pick you as the third person. I think in terms of the sheer ability to reinvent yourself, the ability to, you know, the continuous and incessant desire, the deep passion to be better than what you were yesterday, uh, the continuous quest for learning, the discipline around habits, good habits in life, the focus on where you spend time, prioritization of what is uh, important over what is urgent, and I think an unwavering uh, devotion almost to living life by first principles. I think it's been an incredible uh, learning uh, journey for me, just uh, seeing you in action, Deepak. So those were probably the three people in the family that I would pick. The last one I certainly didn't expect would be me, Venkat. Thanks for that. But uh, uh, I'm sure there is a lot of hyperbole in that. Uh, but, but what I would like to also hear is uh, your sentiment, right? By, in attaching that S to Venkat. In most cases, I think you just write it as S Venkat. Uh, and I know a few people in the US have kind of gotten uh, very confused with this, right? They call you Swer Venkat. <laughs> I don't know how to pronounce it, but that's how they do it. And when I asked you once, you did mention to me about the fact that you wanted your father's name to be uh, to be in front of you, uh, right? Uh, so would you like to share a little bit about that? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I don't know why, and uh, when I started this, uh, the why is very clear, of course. Yeah, so I mean, uh, to me, while uh, S represents the initial of my dad's name, uh, to me, it is symbolic of the family. And I see uh, it in many ways as putting uh, the family before myself, of indicating that uh, my life kind of starts with my family. 
that is really the sentiment. Maybe it's too sentimental for today's uh, day, and it is also a sign of respect. I think uh, for everything that they have done uh, for me, and they continue to kind of do uh, for me. And it is not just about uh, my parents or uh, my spouse or my kids, right? I think it's really the extended family because it's incredible, uh, you know, the kind of support uh, that I've had from them, the love and respect that I've had from them, you know, whether uh, it's um, on my mother's side or my father's side or um, any of my in-laws, uh, it's just been incredible, right? So I think no matter what I do, what I try and do for them, I think it will still be inadequate, right? So... You know, writing my name this way is only a very small uh, symbolic uh, gesture of almost my inadequacy to be able to pay back uh, for all the love and respect that I get from them on a daily basis. No, well said, Venkat. I mean, uh, clearly I reciprocate that uh, that sentiment. Um, but I'm just hoping that this podcast doesn't become a soap opera or an emotional uh, discussion. I'm just going to move uh, away right to my next question, which is, how is your own up- upbringing? You you mentioned about the tough times and uh, the fact that you never stopped believing. I mean, you prayed. Uh, you you really really believed in your guru, right? So some of this would have most definitely shaped the way you brought up your daughters as well. What insights have you also learned or gained from this generation of kids, uh, especially while uh, while bringing up your daughters? And uh, on a more lighter note, have you given them? Uh, any gardening tips? Yeah, no, I think, um, uh, see, the, I see uh, parenting as, uh, as, that, as, a, as a trusteeship, Deepak, uh, right? Um, I mean, we are only a physical uh, medium through which uh, we bring our children into, uh, into existence. We are not them. Uh, we don't own them. Yeah, and your ability to kind of influence them is uh, restricted, I think, to a certain period of time, right? I think as a trustee of their lives, uh, the best you can do is to kind of pass on what you have learned uh, from your parents and your uh, grandparents and extended family and uh, uh, and and look at how it shaped uh, my life and then say that, look, you know, can I apply those principles, you know, although in a, in a very different context, right? It's got to be done in a modern context so that they are able to kind of have those moral handrails almost in their lives so that, you know, they don't uh, slip into self-doubt, they don't slip into depression, uh, they don't get anxious when they will eventually start to face the ups and downs of life, right? How can they display equanimity uh, in both good times and bad uh, is something that we can we can probably aspire to teach them by living those values on a daily basis, right? So I think parenting is uh, nothing about talking. I think it's a lot about uh, doing and living those values. I mean, can I do as good a job uh, with them as what my parents did with me? I, I, I always have a doubt whether I can do it or not. Uh, but that shouldn't stop us from trying, right? Um, I don't claim to be the best uh, parent, but I do know that I try my best, yeah, so that um, they have an example uh, to kind of uh, look up. Uh, yeah, with regard to gardening, I think uh, uh, my girls always complain that I've converted the home into an Amazon rainforest. It obviously attracts uh, insects and moths and uh, uh, whatnot. So they are not the greatest fans of my gardening hobby. But I'm hoping that uh, with the elapse of time, they will start to fall in love with this hobby as well. 
so let, let's talk a little bit uh, about your hobbies now right you you kind of nicely segued i don't know how you knew that the next question was around your hobbies and interests venkat but on your hobbies and and your interests uh, from quizzing i know you are you're great at quiz uh, quizzes i mean and i remember uh, the times where uh, you used to do this almost uh, extempo right pick up a few questions engage the audience uh, and chess i remember again uh, that this used to be uh, Uh, one of your favorite uh, passions if i may call not just a hobby to enjoying agatha christie uh, books uh, and gardening seems to have gotten added uh, right over the last few years can you share what aspects of each of these interests you find the most uh, appealing and how have these kind of impacted your approach towards working with people building an organization problem solving uh, development of strategies how did how did all of this uh, impact so i think quizzing uh, to me it's really about um, building an uh, a very holistic uh, knowledge base and experience base of the world right i feel uh, very inadequate uh, when there are two people discussing something i and i don't have a perspective on it right i i feel extremely lost in that uh, conversation so i am a vegetarian but somebody is kind of uh, discussing about uh, salami i i need to it cannot happen that i don't know uh, what it is about yeah or somebody is kind of talking about a dryness in a wine i may not drink wine but i still need to know what it is right so to me it's uh, uh, it's very important whether it's history geography or uh, science or whatever the desire to uh, know not just to keep a conversation but to have an informed perspective on it so i think uh, f- uh, for me the quizzing really started uh, with the reading i used to read a ton of uh, newspapers and books uh, when i was growing up i think in the last uh, 15 years it's probably been more through through meeting with people and uh, uh, listening into conversations and uh, uh, hearing their perspectives about life yeah but uh, to me the quizzing aspect uh, is really about building an uh, holistic uh, knowledge base uh, and experience base in life uh, i think as a consultant it's uh, massively helpful right one is when you start to build relationships it always helps to be able to relate to people right so it doesn't matter whether the guy has got an interest in farming or is probably breeding horses or maybe is a wine connoisseur or whatever it may be right it always helps uh, in a conversation to be able to relate to people and i it's it's not um, out of a tactical uh, need but i think uh, a need to be kind of genuinely interested in what people do okay so that's a big driver uh, for me uh, deepak i think uh, chess and agatha christie have got something in common uh, which is that uh, they both hold endless possibilities and you don't know how the end game is going to pan out so chess in particular right uh, you can map out uh, multiple scenarios uh, in your head but uh, that's the easy part but you also need to map out the scenarios of what your opponent is going to play so i think uh, the ability to kind of think through possibilities in a situation and go out of the box which is so critical in consulting i think there are a lot of lessons that can be learned uh, uh, from chess right i mean uh, and not to kind of delve too much into this but let's take uh, competition analysis for example i mean do you play defensive or do you kind of go on all out aggression right these are choices that you need to make in chess i think uh, the business world is not very different from that or if you need to kind of safeguard your king uh, in chess you build a uh, to me it's like building a strategic moat around your business right here yeah, so i think each of these uh, uh, hobbies uh, i think eventually kind of ends up impacting the work you do uh, the last one on gardening uh, to me is really i mean 
there is so much I've, I've been able to apply from gardening in uh, in business is absolutely amazing, right? Uh, like for instance, you can the focus on process. Like you need to get the soil right, uh, the fertilizer right, the temperature right, and uh, you wait, you wait for the flowers to bloom and 8 out of 10 times they come but 2 times they don't and these are situations beyond your control uh, very very similar to what happens in business as well uh, right, so uh, you learn the art of patience, you also understand that building an enterprise is like a plant growing there's nothing you can do, right I mean if a plant takes 1 year to maturity it will take 1 year to maturity, you can't give it hormones to make it grow in 3 months time, so the ability to kind of stay with the process, be patient and let nature take its course. Also to see how different plants grow differently, right? Uh, if I look at my two daughters, how they grow differently. Very similar environments, but they yield different kind of flowers and fruits. Same thing is true in our organization, right? There are 250 people working. They're all like 250 plants, right? Each one responds differently to external stimulus. So I think uh, there are a ton of... Uh, uh, lessons uh, in in each of these. So I think it's kind of funny because at one level, I think these hobbies are highly uh, therapeutic. And at another level, they're also very pregnant with learnings and possibilities that you can apply in daily life. So Venkat, one, one of the regrets I have or uh, one of the complaints, let me say complaints that I have is you never told me uh, about these learnings in chess. I think I still think I have a chance at quizzing and uh, gardening. Uh, but chess, I'm I'm hopelessly uh, bad at. And if I had known that these were some of the uh, positives uh, by playing chess, I would have taken this up when I was younger. But just to make a note, uh, Deepak, I am always very worried when you're determined to do something because whenever you determine, then it gets done. And it gets done with a, a fury and intensity that people haven't seen before. So if you're going to take to chess, then it's time that somebody wants Pragyanananda that competition is coming his way. No, no, I'm not going to take up this. I think it's beyond me. <laughs> so, and there you have it, folks. An hour of wisdom, insights with the disruptor in the world of consulting, a quiz master, the chess enthusiast who knows how to checkmate and solve problems for clients. Thank you, Venkat, for joining us on Wisdom. It's been an absolute masala chai of a conversation, rich, full of flavor. Uh, we are certain that our listeners will take away valuable insights from your incredible journey and maybe a new recipe for filter coffee. Any parting thoughts, Venkat? Uh, I just wanted to uh, say thank you. Gratitude to you and uh, gratitude to Team Practice uh, for hosting me. It's been a very interesting conversation. I don't uh, uh, mean to sound uh, sermonizing uh, or a guru or whatever, but it was still fun having this conversation. Thank you so much for having me. There you go. Remember, dear listeners, in the grand game of life and business, sometimes all you need is the right blend whether it's in your coffee or your strategy. As an old Indian saying goes, karam karo, pal ki chinta mat karo. Do your work, don't worry about the results. Keep striving for the impossible and who knows, one day you might just disrupt the world in your own way with a pinch of Indian humor as we conclude this conversation. Until next time, this is Deepak Narayanan signing off from Wisdom. Stay inspired, stay curious and keep chasing your dreams with a smile and a dash of humor. Thank you. To never miss an episode, subscribe to Wisdom today and be part of our growing community of wisdom seekers. Let's unlock the profound secrets of life together. See you next time. <laughs>